convincing people to enjoy a glass of sake while tucking into a pepperoni pizza is going to be a tough job. Our guest today is ready to take on that challenge. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time by the best in the industry. I lured Sake Somale Satomi Dosur away from an event we were both attending to give me the lowdown on the liquid that was front and center that evening. The event was being thrown by the Japan Food Product Overseas Promotion Center to explore how sake and seafood were the perfect match. After a lifetime of not knowing anything about this most ancient of spirits, I certainly know a lot more now after our chat. Did you know that... Well, I'll let Satomi tell you. But first, don't forget to head over to LushLifeCocktailTours.com to buy your ticket to the tastiest tour in town. London town, that is. Soho, to be more exact. You'll be introduced to some of the most famous bars and bartenders in London, all while sipping their celebrated cocktails and learning about Soho's drinking history. We even have gift vouchers available, so buy a ticket for your loved ones. But now, let's get on with the sake. So the sake is a Japan's national alcoholic beverage made from rice, and they all ferment it. So we probably think, oh my god, sake is quite strong alcohol, but they are fermented alcohol. So the thing is, the strength of alcohol is about 14 15, 16%. Oh, that's it? Yeah, it's not as strong as what everybody thinks. I guess because it's clear. Exactly. You know, where people are thinking, in small cups, and many people automatically think, oh my God, I have to down this. But (gasps) it's not. Or take it slowly. (laughs) Or take it very slowly. So can it be any rice? No, there's a special rice, which is called... uh, Shuzo called Tekimai in Japanese. All right. In English, we say sake rice. Okay. So these sake rice are designed to be make a good sake. And a component is slightly different from the compared to the table rice. Uh, can it be grown anywhere? It can be grown anywhere. But there's uh, over 100 different kinds of sake rice has been registered in last year. And those sake rice has to be inspected by government and get a certification. Does that mean that there are over a hundred different sakes coming out of that rice? It can be, yeah. Mm-hmm. They make so many different kinds of sake and mix them much with different rice and one kind. And some of the sake rice is, you know, special from that particular location. So only growing the uh, prefecture, for example. So how do they take the rice and make it into sake? So to explain that question, <laughs> and I have to go through the uh, history because history part is quite interesting. So the sake history is always go back to over 2000 years ago. And that era was called the Yayoi period. Um, this time, the Chinese people bring the wet rice cultivation process into Japan. And the Japanese people was really, really fascinated and impressed how they make the rice. So they started growing the rice and produce alcohol with it. But that time was very, you know, the really basic equipment probably they can get. So how they made it was uh, basically young female gathered in the center of the village and then started to chewing cooked rice 
and then spat into the earthenware pot or like earthen container or things like that. Or it was saliva content <laughs> enzyme to be able to break down the starch into ah. the sugar. So the sh- of course, if there's a sugar, they can make alcohol. So the natural yeast started to growing and then start fermenting. And that sake was offered to the god or used for the funerals or any kind of religious related event. It's crazy. I wonder how they even figured that out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's have the ladies chew yeah. it, spit <laughs> yes. it out. Yeah. And then make it into a drink. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. But apparently the really beginning of the sake process, because they didn't add water. So most of people ah. was... So it's the spit. Yeah, most of people were eating <laughs> with the chopsticks. Right. Alcoholic sort of porridge. All right. And from there... And then started yeah. to change the format. And then... How long did, it, did they do that process? I'm not entirely sure, uh-huh. but probably a few weeks. No, no, I meant for how many, like how long, like a hundred years were they making oh, that yeah, process? That, that was, yes. That's for a long, long time. Yes, quite a while. All right, but the process today, obviously yes. it's not ladies in the it's village. Not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or that is the secret. No. <laughs> That's the secret, right? No. No, behind the oh, curtain. Right, exactly. <laughs> so nowadays we have got an uh, ingredient, which is rice. Obviously the rice is the main ingredient. Mm-hmm. And then the water. Because rice grain doesn't contain any juice. So we have to add water to be able to break, uh, make the uh, drinkable alcohol. And then the next is microorganisms, which is uh, one is yeast, obviously. And then the other one is called koji. Koji is a, basically a fungus which contains the same enzyme what our saliva has. Ah. So that's the reason we don't need to chew <laughs> rice these days. So this enzyme break down the starch in the rice and turn it to the sugar. Then adding yeast can start fermenting alcohol. All right. And how long does the whole process take to get sake out of the... Rice b- grains? Yes. So usually around 60 days without thinking about storage, aging, that kind of thing. Just a simple sort of... It's not a very simple process, but... Just think about a process, process. And then do you have something that you can drink after that? Could you... So, so it, that's the fermentation process. Sorry. Yeah. And then how long is it until you have something that you can actually drink? Um, most of the sake has been aged or okay. kind of stored in the brewery about three months or six months, sometimes one year. Mm-hmm. So then you So when the drink. liquid comes out, yeah. um, what... How is it aged? Is it put in a barrel, like whiskey? No, they're usually kept in either bottle, glass bottle, or a stainless tank. A stainless steel tank. Yes. Mm-hmm. Stainless steel tank. And so, um, about how, uh, wait, you said this before, but how long does it stay till you, I don't know, till you, I guess every every sake is different. There, How, how many sakes yes. are out there? A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, tell me some of the different kinds, because I really know nothing about sake. Because mm. um, I, I know that they're sparkling. There's, yes. And, oh. and you said mostly they're aged, right? Oh, let's say it's kind of settled. They're stored for six months, three months. Just so to at make least sure that, three months. Yeah, just make sure the sake is kind of softened. Because if you drink a freshly brewed sake, it's really, really bright. Almost like a... You know, a little bit cheeky teenage 
person is full of energy and there's so much going on. But the ones you kind of matured a little bit, it's sort of calm and very easy to talk or easy to taste, that kind of ideas. Yeah, in Zinsaki. And I guess the longer that it sits, the more mellow it gets. It will, and mm-hmm. the color would change, even though sake can be changed color uh, if they kept in a stainless steel tank or glass bottle because the sake has got lots of lots of amino acid and the remaining uh, sugar, they would react and then produce different sort of like a color, sort of like yellow or golden, can be amber. Oh, yeah. all right. So that's why there's colored. And then there's the sparkling, as I mentioned, yes. because someone once gave me a bottle of oh. it. So I've, I've had it before. Yes. Um, how does that work? How is it made sparkling? Um, there's a two ways. One is the second fermentation that's happening in the bottle, like champagne. And that's a very natural way of making sparkling sake. Otherwise, some people add CO, uh, the gas afterwards and then create the sparkling um, for the second fermentation, yeah. what is added into it? Because I know like champagne, they add... Nothing. Nothing. No, absolutely nothing. They just ferment it again. Yes, yes it's it's delicious. Now, I think I told you this before, but the first time I ever had sake, mm-hmm. it was when I was older, 21 or so, and it was hot. Yes. And everyone was going down, everyone ordered hot sake. It was kind of the cool thing to do. And then I learned a little bit about sake, uh-huh. and I found out that, that is so not the cool thing to do. <laughs> That anyone who knows anything about sake always yeah. has it cold. So mm. you, can you tell me about this prejudice against hot? Does anyone in Japan drink it hot? I mean... Yeah, the, the thing is, the hot sake is very seasonal. You know, the sake followed a lot of seas- uh, seasonal kind of events or harvest. Um, this is one of the reasons why we don't really have vintage sake, because so many sake is available in the richly different season like in the spring we have got flower viewing sake in the summer we have got a waterfall viewing sake or the autumn we have got something different and the winter as well that's something it can be good for warming up because winter is very cold so is it called anything because that's super romantic i love the flower <laughs> yeah. viewing what is the winter one called winter one is called uh, snow viewing snow viewing yes <laughs> And so is that a specific kind of sake that's warmed up as opposed to, you know, one that isn't? Yeah, I would say the thing is sake is quite tricky that you have to try um, if that works in a warm or cold. So many sake producers put the label on the back saying this sake can be drunk in this to this temperature, which is really helpful. Yeah, But if... You know, there's not written in English. It doesn't make sense to anybody. <laughs> Except for somebody who speaks <laughs> Japanese. So um, I would always say if the sake has got quite savory style and something classic or can be rich, um, more like umami depth kind of character, that can be works really well when it's warm. But... When the sake is quite fruity or really aromatic, kind of fine, clean, really elegant style, that sort of sake, it's better stick on the chilled temperature because the, you know, the temperature could mess up the character. And at the same time, temperature could create amazing characteristics such as, you know, they open up the flavors, 
brings up the sweetness and almost like a blanket in winter. It's so warm and cozy, beautiful drinks when it's the right temperature. I'm definitely going to look on the labels <laughs>、yeah. and definitely ask someone Japanese every、yeah. time I see that. That is definitely the best hint. Now, let's move on to food、yep. with sake.、Mm-hmm. Because, I, well, every time I go into a Japanese restaurant,、yep. I have sake with my meal.、Mm-hmm. And I don't really think of it when I'm having, you know, say in a French restaurant or anything.、Mm-hmm. And I know that is totally wrong. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about the kind of the seafood or a food pairing with sake、yeah. outside of a Japanese restaurant? Absolutely. So, we always think the sake is perfectly goes well with Japanese food, which is true. But to me, I always find it quite tricky to pair with sushi because, you know, the sushi has got the different、uh, toppings in a way. Some is a tuna, which has got a quite ionic flavor. Or scallops, it's really sweet and kind of meaty. So, to pair with those different、uh, toppings of sushi, which is quite difficult, I found. But sake can be paired with so many different things, such as cheese or steaks,、uh, even Indian food, French food. And the pizza surprisingly works fantastic. <laughs> But how do you know where to start? You're a sake sommelier. Yeah. So, For someone who doesn't really know that much about sake, how do you, you know, you're in, well, you just you hope that the restaurant you have、yes. that you're, you're in has sake.、Mm. If it does, how do you even know where to start? You're ordering a pizza, you've listened to the podcast, you're like, I want to order sake and pizza. <laughs> Other、True. than bringing it yourself, how do you know which sake to start with? True.、Um, so, you know, the, this is a secret. In a way, secret. <laughs> Somebody is secret. But、uh, the sake has got a lot of interesting kind of acidity. The one is umami, and the one is amino acid, and the other is skinic acid, which can be found in the shellfish. So, this combination usually works amazingly well with,、uh, for example, pizza and something that has got cheese, tomato. Um, sort of rich, juicy flavors. I know it's quite difficult to pick which sake you should go for, but if you are having something rich kind of food, you should go for something quite rich style of sake. And if you're going for something like a curry or flavorful dish, you can go for something aromatic, fruity style of sake. That would usually balance really well. Now, does that, are those age dependent? So, Is that, you know, the richer, fuller ones would be the ones that were aged longer? No, no. not necessarily. No. Okay.、Yeah. It's just you really have to do some research As、well. before you go、yeah. about the different styles of sake. Yeah. And the thing is, there's a premium sake and a non premium sake. It's a bit like wine, table wine, and, the, you know, premier cru, grand cru, or such a thing. So there's about 70, just about 70% or under 70% of the Sake that produced in Japan is non premium, and、oh. it's a huge amount. And the other 30% is a premium. So, within the premium, there's about eight different categories depending on、um, the how much rice grain has been polished before making a sake. So, if the rice grain has been polished more, then it becomes usually more expensive, and the fine product is a bit like. Grand Cru,、mm-hmm. let's say. 
And if the rice grain has been polished less, that means sort of classic bottom line of the premium sake. And the reason why they have to polish the rice because the you know the outer layer of the rice grain is not really important for sake production. They could produce maybe the roughness or bitter flavors or all that kind of stuff, which is not very important for sake production. It's really the stuff that you need to chew it and find, right? <laughs> so we're back to the ladies in the yeah. village. Fabulous. Well, I think you've given us some ideas on how to start with sake and food. Yeah. Should we go have some sake? Fantastic. <laughs> the event we were both attending was designed to encourage the pairing of Japanese sake with seafood instead of always choosing white wine. Satomi described to me why they go hand in hand. So tonight we are pairing a sake with a seafood dish by the Oysterman, which is a beautiful restaurant. So the sake uh, works very well with seafood. The reason is, to me, to my opinion, there's two reasons. So one is the combination between acidity and umami. Um, Have you heard about umami? Mm -hmm. So umami is a fifth taste and then uh, that was discovered by the Professor Ikeda from the Tokyo Imperial University in over 100 years ago. So umami is often uh, described as depth of the savouriness. And then acidity. So acidity can be found in sake. There's so many different kinds. Like, I mean, acid, skinic, acid, malic acid, all that kind of different acidity. They naturally made through the uh, fermentation process but one of the acidity called a skinic acid uh, which can be found also in a shellfish or seafood which you know works really well together between skinic acid and also addition of abin acid and umami itself so having all together and the sake is not only for the palate cleanser they would enhance the flavors and works superbly well Almost like an orchestra. <laughs> and the second reason is that sake has got lowest, lowest amount of iron content. You know, all of us, majority of us, when we're having seafood, we would choose white wine. Um, nobody really wants to have, um, you know, something that increased fishy flavors in your palate. So the reason for that is basically... A white wine really works well with your lovely seafood dish and, you know, it would cleanse your palate, which is that's exactly what we want. So the reason is that when the iron in the wine and kind of the a type of the fat within the seafood, they contact, they would react and they increase the fishy flavor. And mm. a glass of white wine contained about 0.4 milligram of iron just average and for the red wine they contain about 0.7 milligram so it's the difference is very tiny but that is you know the reason why we're choosing white wine more than the red wine when we're having seafood so back to the sake uh content of the iron for the sake is one uh, one hundredth of the wine so it's so, so less yeah zero so this is the reason the sake doesn't, you know, increase the fishy flavors. It will just blend really well with the seafood. Sounds great. Let's go try some. Yes. Fantastic. 
We ate some fantastic seafood thanks to the Oyster Man, who provided oysters, crab, and lobster for us to accompany our sake. If you are eager to taste sake with fish or even pizza, then there will be a list of Satomi's recommendations on alushlifemanual.com. Now it's time to make a classic cocktail contemporary for our Cocktail of the Week. If we choose to believe the self-proclaimed, quote, cocktail detectives, unquote, a chef Matsuda invented our Cocktail of the Week for the 1964 World's Fair in Queens. It's like a 50-50 martini with equal measures of gin or vodka and vermouth. Replace vermouth with sake, and you have our Cocktail of the Week, the Sake Martini. Chill your glass so it is super cold. Then, in a mixing glass with ice, add the following. 30 ml of gin or vodka and 30 ml of sake. Stir it down and then strain into your super cold martini glass and then garnish with a sliced cucumber or olives. You can find this recipe, more martini recipes, and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. I already admitted that I used to love hot sake. I kind of still do. But now, thanks to Satomi, I know that what I was doing was sipping snow-viewing sake. I don't think I'll look at sake the same way again now that I know their romantic names. If you live for Lush Life, would you consider supporting us by buying us a coffee? Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash lushlife and you can donate once or monthly to make sure we are still here every Tuesday. Also, you know how much I love to talk about cocktails, and we can all be together talking on the flick.group slash lushlife app. It's free to join and works on Android or iOS devices. Plus, you can listen to the latest episodes right there if you want to catch up. Theme music for Lush Life is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leaves me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly. Okay, you know the second part was mine. Up and coming on Lush Life, we go back to Kentucky for our virtual tour of the Boone County Distilling Company discover why they say that ghosts make their bourbon. Until next time, bottoms up.